Hello, welcome to Blades Pod. My name is Ben. It is Tuesday, the 19th of February. Uh, I've got Jay, aka Mr. Blades Analytics himself, coming up next. But just before I get started, um, if you listened to last week's podcast, you will have heard me speaking to Sam from the Dem Blades fanzine. Uh, we mentioned on that podcast that the fanzine itself, the first edition, uh, the first quarterly edition, there was about 30 or 40 copies left. I'm pleased, or I guess disappointed if you wanted one, um, to say that they have uh, they sold out in very quick order, which is the bad news. But good news is they are doing a, a limited uh, print run of the, um, of the quarterly to basically second chance for anyone who didn't get round to getting one. Uh, it is a super limited run, I think. It's only got about five or six more days to go. So if you missed out and if you want one, head over to demblades.co.uk, demblades.co.uk, and uh, and sign up. There's some awesome stuff in there from loads of creative people uh, involved in in Sheffield United. I definitely recommend you checking it out. Uh, I promise I'm not getting paid to do this. I just think it's a good thing to support it. So yeah, do go and check it out. Um, and yeah, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, here we go. It's me and Jay talking about a win over Reading and then a little bit about West Brom and as always state of the championship so far so uh yeah well let's talk about this uh let's obviously talk about the the win at the weekend over reading then uh united obviously won 4-0 gary medine got his first goal and indeed goals in uh, about a year i believe um, United actually scored after I think it was 38 seconds, uh, which is impressive because we didn't even have the kickoff. Uh, Reading basically kicked off. We put them under pressure. They played a long ball through to Henderson. About 20 seconds later, it was in their net via the uh, some some body part of Kieran Freeman. Not actually <laughs> sure which part it was in the end, but that was one nil. Uh, second goal came after. Um, Fleck basically pressed them, playing the ball out of defence, won it back, it ran to Medine who smashed it in. Uh, it was 3-0 just before half-time with a good early ball in from Marvin Johnson. Hogan flicked it back, Medine walloped it in from about eight yards again. And then in the second half, 4-0 with Fleck scoring from a long-range deflected effort. Um, I think if anything, uh, possibly even slightly disappointed we only scored four goals because... Yeah, we were we were pretty rampant in this game, I think, and uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty comfortable saying that Reading's best player was uh, was their goalkeeper. Um, yeah, anything uh, anything to add on top of that? Was, uh, what would you think? How would you rate our performance uh, in that game? You're hard to say not ten out of ten. Really, mm. I, I thought I thought Reading would were actually okay coming forwards in periods. They they had some threat, you know, if they got the ball on the wing, it, it was I thought our defenders had to defend, put it that way. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were passengers as such, but that was more up until the second goal and after that point, yeah, it was there was nothing much in it, was there? I'm I'm making a face here. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think I think they may be the worst team I've seen this season and that includes two two games against Bolton. Um certainly thought Bolton were better uh in the the home game a few weeks ago. I, um, I just thought we were worse against Bolton. I, oh, I thought we, we scored at good times. The worst team I've seen all season, no buyers of Sheffield Wednesday. They're the worst team I have seen this season that we have yeah. played. But, well, I, and, and that's not me being bitter at nil-nil. As in, football is about winning games and scoring goals. They were yeah. terrible at that. <laughs> but I mean, I just think we scored. Uh, you know, we, we scored goals at key times and... We created so many chances. Like, they were so bad defensively. That's where Bolton were much better. They were at least organised. Reading were awful. 
and yeah. we could have had seven or eight quite easily. Yeah, I mean, uh, Hogan was played in by Duffy, uh, sort of one-on-one. It, it wasn't an easy chance. In fact, he actually did really well to get it out of his feet and get a shot on target. But um, I think it's is it Martinez, the uh, Reading goalkeeper? Is that his name? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he made a really good save from that. Uh, Marvin Johnson had a, had a couple of, I wouldn't say easy chances, but kind of kind of in on goal on the angle and uh, yeah, sort of smashed it across. The keeper saved it. Uh, one into the side netting, I think the keeper saved it. And there was... Uh, there was a Norwood shot as well uh, that he did well to get down to. Probably the worst miss actually was um, was when we just played head tennis inside Reading's PTR <laughs> box and, and great, somehow was... headed it over. I don't know how that, that happened. A, that was fantastic, wasn't it? That was. That yeah. Was, that, if that would have gone in, that would have been surely the most embarrassing goal to concede in the uh, season because it just it looked like a training game, didn't it? Yeah. It like a of, but it, uh, just going forwards, just such a brilliant, brilliant performance from players who. I wouldn't say you don't expect it, Mum, but from players who aren't really many of them considered first team, you know, in yeah. key areas, you know, and that it's just this, this whole thing of squad depth and us all season thinking, have we got it? Well, we've just kind of spanked someone four nil after just, beating a a playoff, a genuine playoff team in Middlesbrough with a, again with a very rotated and players at position kind of team. I mean, it's it's incredible, really. I mean. Uh, you know, there's no way to kind of know this, but these are the situations we would have tripped up last season. You know, missing yes. O'Connell, missing Baldock, then missing Freeman, missing Basham. You know, we we had to we decided to rest our two presumptive first choice strikers, our two leading scorers, if you like. You know, these are games we would not have. Well, we certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have won as comfortably last season, but we we probably wouldn't have won them at all, to be honest. And yeah, we we have a genuine a genuinely deep squad now with some fantastic attacking options. I mean, I think Wilder's logic for the uh, the leaving out, well, I guess for making so many changes again from the team on, on uh, Wednesday as Borough was, I think he was said he was worried about a sort of, um, like a sluggish sort of leggy performance. And yeah, we, we definitely did not see that from this no. team. I mean, you know, even Mar- Marvin Johnson wasn't exactly, you know, world beating, but Thought he did some pretty good things down the left. Had a had a hand in one of the goals, uh, at least one of the goals, I think. Um, yeah, Hogan and Medine, I thought were absolutely excellent up front. And you know, I, I don't know what our first choice strike partnership looks like anymore. To be honest, I know Hogan didn't actually didn't score, but you know, yeah. I was really really impressed with with kind of what he did. Um, and yeah, Medine was absolutely brilliant. Uh, you know, it, as opposed to his previous games, he wasn't actually that good in the air. Um, I think he only won four out of nine aerial duels. I, I can't remember mm-hmm. which defender was matched up against him, but actually did a pretty good job against him in the air. But yeah, Medine's involvement was just enormous. I mean, he obviously scored two goals himself. He was involved in the other two. Uh, I think, yeah, so he scored two goals and created four chances, which was most out of all players. And yeah, just his sort of, um, you know, his touch, his awareness. There were a few times he's like picking the ball up in midfield and, you know, dribbling away from a couple of players. And yeah, he was he was fantastic. He he has um he has added another huge dimension to our attacks and yeah, that's only going to um only bodes well down the stretch I suppose. Yeah, definitely. No, I can't believe how good he is at football. It sounds yeah. as simple as that, but I, I literally can't I, I'm not even in a I think we all assumed me included this was a battering ram option. Yeah. It it couldn't be any more different. Like I, I agree with you. He wasn't that good in the air, and I don't think we tried him to be that good in the air against Reading because we were dominating them on the floor. But the way he takes a ball and turns in a single touch and then plays a little pass around the corner or even plays a pass into space or lays one off, it's absolutely fantastic. He's literally what a target man in this team needs to be. Mm. Delicate touch, 
controls the ball. I mean, yeah, you said he's created four chances there. We always talk about deep completions with Mark Duffy, you know, passes that are 25 metres out from the, the opposition's goal, anywhere within that range. Hardest pass to complete in football. Maximum normally three or four a game, and it's always Duffy for us. Medine completed five. Hmm. He completed more than anyone on the pitch. That's more than anyone this season has completed for United in that area. He's, wow, really? Yeah. Seriously, he's equal Duffy for five, but as in more than anyone else. He's, yeah, yeah. It, admittedly, those passes don't always lead to a chance, so I don't want to confuse anyone that that's a, a massively brilliant start or anything, but it just shows the, the technique of the man. Hmm. These aren't simple passes to make. He's playing in very hard areas to play because defenders are normally right behind you, pressing you. Midfielders are coming back onto you because he's normally back to goal. He was absolutely brilliant. I mean, the finishes were class. I know they were; they should have been goals. That's you know, XG aside, let's not. They should have been goals, but to hit them as sweetly as he did, yeah. You know, this this is supposed to be a man who hasn't scored for God sixteen months. I know. I thought that absolutely smashed him in, didn't he? You know, oh, so absolutely. T- taking no taking no chances, no finesse or anything, just wellies it into the top corner. Yeah, and I mean, I even like his work rate as well. Like. Mm. You know, he's a big man. He doesn't move that quickly. So he's hardly going to be the best presser in the world. But he puts himself about. He chases channels. He chases lost causes. Mm. I mean, I, I know that I know the, the website's been in absolute overdrive on Twitter on the last 48 hours, hasn't it? Proper propaganda machine. Medine loves the <laughs> club and all this. <laughs> but to be honest, they've been really good interviews, you know, mm. getting behind the character of the guy and, and what we've bought in. And you can... It's just, it's credit, obviously it's credit to Gaz, but it's credit to Wilder again. It, mm. it looks like it's going to be a masterstroke. It really does. If you think of the points Medine's bought us already, yeah. either, by, but either by his physical presence, like away at Norwich, uh, Borough changing the game, or mm. the two goals and his involvement at Reading, he's already paying for himself. He yeah, really pretty much. Is. I mean, you know, we had these sort of, kind of justifiable doubts about uh, the fitness of bringing in players like Medine and Hogan who've barely played any football in like six or seven months but yeah based on Saturday I mean <laughs> you know absolutely no doubts anymore I mean you know as you said uh Medine not the most mobile but he's not exactly a slouch and he you know he and Hogan were pressing everything right from the off and yeah, yeah Reading uh I don't know I thought Reading really played into our hands to be fair I thought their they approach did. was very bizarre I know you know you concede an early goal they have your plan sort of goes out the window, you'd think, a little bit, but they just kept doing the same thing all the way through. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's useless. I mean, fair enough, if, if that's your philosophy and, you know, that's what the new manager's trying to put in place, then then fair enough, but you, I guess you have to accept that you're going to get a hammering from better sides if you just Did, do that. I couldn't, I don't want to dwell on it because it's them, Knowles, but it's just, I couldn't get that. They're scrappy for their lives. I understand the philosophy and it has worked for them. They've mm. picked up, uh, you know, some results, some points, and because they've had the ball more, they've conceded less goals. That, yeah. That's his way of defending. Have the ball so your defenders don't have to do the work. It's kind of the Sheffield United model of defending in a way. Mm. And it, it's, I get that. That's great. But one nil down away at a team who are, you know, challenging at the top of the league, you don't play out like the keeper passing it to that centre mid yeah. when Flex smashes him for the second. That centre mid must want to absolutely chin the keeper. What? <laughs> well, Why does he want the ball there? Like, yeah, well, what is he? What's he going to do with it? I mean, I, you know. I, I I put that thread out about Fleck. That had happened two or three times before that goal. It was coming. Yeah. It was a hundred percent coming, and it it was as much as I showed it. Fleck setting the press, like you said, Hogan was massive in that because that movement and that pace that he has to get after the ball mm. and just he puts you under less time than you think you have. Because yeah. he was busy. He was really busy, wasn't he? That's the way he I was. Hogan. He was busy. It, it was funny. I thought in the first half, I thought <laughs> when we scored the third goal off the Hogan flick. 
I thought, is that his first touch of the half after like 40 <laughs> minutes? And he, he did actually have the fewest amount of touches out of anyone on the pitch who played the full game. So yeah. even even Henderson touched the ball more than he did. Yeah. But he, yeah, if you just... Um, I mean, I had sort of a great view of it uh, sat on the cop, you know, just watching him constantly on the sort of shoulder of the last defender, like constantly making these runs or sort of bending his run, trying to time it exactly with the through ball. And yeah, it's a shame he couldn't get a goal himself, but... Very, very encouraging, I think, as a as a fourth choice striker. If you like. I, th- I thought Medine's explanation actually after the game was brilliant. Of those four, I felt no, sorry for on. I felt sorry for Washington. Have you heard this? I haven't. So no, go on. So he's just, he's just basically saying about the group of strikers we have, and, and it, it's very simple. It's nothing groundbreaking, but Medine just summed them all up in their different categories, if you will. So he said, "Billy's the master poacher," mm. you know, and that's what he is. He said, "You know, I'm the I'm the target man." Scotty Hogan will run all day off shoulders and he'll make good runs as well. You know, he's not just someone who's got a, no real idea about movement and positioning. He makes the right run a lot of times. And then he said, and then McGoldrick's the flair player. He's the out of the box, out of the tactics kind of, he can do something out of the blue. He, he can get involved in a bit of everything. And then Connor's yeah. there as raw pace. And I thought that was a really good summary of each one of those players. And it shows how they knit together as well. Yeah, you know, definitely. They are all very different and they will all have a part. To, that's clear as day now. They'll have a part to play. I mean, we just, how many teams in the league can rest at that time, the top goal scorer in the league, and be fine? Yeah, I think I think I saw this. We left out um, two players who scored something like 27 of our last 30 goals or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I don't remember the exact number, but it was an absurd amount. And yeah, I think when I saw the team sheet, I was a bit like, hmm. Not sure how I feel about that. Maybe he'd leave one out, but then, yeah, obviously. Wilder knows what he's doing far better than I do. And as I said after the Middlesbrough game, we shouldn't actually doubt this team because it is a very good squad. Players know what they're doing, even when they're asked to play roles that are slightly unfamiliar to them. I mean, look at Freeman. Like, you know, comes completely out in from out of the cold. I mean, I don't think we've seen him. I don't think he's even been on the bench since, uh, no. since we played Barnet in the FA Cup where he was woeful, to be fair. He was like, you know, he looked... He looked really, really unfit, was just not able to track back or anything. Come straight in the team, 40 seconds later, he scored. And yeah, I know he went off injured and hopefully it's nothing too serious. But yeah, another sort of good showing from him. And uh, yeah, it's it's just um, it's just a hell of a response from uh, from that setback against Villa. And I know we talked about it last time we spoke, you know, just don't... It never really entered my mind that like, oh, the, you know, the collapse is coming now. That that kind of result and the reaction to it is going to, you know, send our season off the rails. And yeah, it's just a phenomenal response, I think, from from that setback yeah. in the last week. Yeah, definitely. I, especially when you consider the games. I mean, Redden at home should be a win for any top six side. But Borough at home, it's a toughie. Yeah, it is well, especially when you're missing your two of your two. back three uh, and yeah. then the rest as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. We, we, uh, we've gone through for us. Probably our first period under Wilder of, of injuries. Injuries uh, and suspensions kind of piling together, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't think of, you know, and that's the thing that's supposed to kill us because mm-hmm. even though we've now added squad depth up front, we don't have squad depth all over. That, yeah. That's clear as day. Even though we won this game 4-0 and beat Borough, we, we, we can't sustain without Jack O'Connell and Bash for a long period of games. No. Um, but to get through that short period involving, like you say, fringe players. I, I know you did the, the podcast with Sam from Den Blaze, which is brilliant. Love listening to that. And so I won't go over that, but Stearman coming in from the cold, adding, Freeman, adding, Hogan, adding, and Medine, adding. It, it's just what Wilder's built on a pittance, and we'll get onto that later if we talk about their account. For this, it's just incredible. 
absolutely yeah. incredible. And it goes to show as well, the, the more performances we have from the fringe players like that, like they didn't do it against Barnet. We all know that. But the more performances they can put in like that, the better for us as fans, because then first teamers, they have to get pushed again. They That's can't, a very good point. They can't rest on laurels. Marvin Johnson was absolutely fine. I thought he was great. I, mm. I can see why Wilder singled him out because he's had a bit of stick. I've given him a, well, I wouldn't say stick, but I've said, yeah, he needs to be better. They just haven't really stick. done anything good, have they? He'd done no. some bad things and barely anything good in the minutes that, that he'd had. That's right. But I had, you know, someone on, on Twitter put a very good question to me, actually. I mean, I, I disagree with it, but a great question, which was, you know, Johnson's style is so different to Stevens on that left wing back. Would I give him a run against maybe bottom half lower league teams, you know, in terms of he can run at a man, but he, can, he also had a nice early cross on him. Mm. And 50% of his crosses were accurate and he put six in, which is, yeah. you know, that's a great ratio, really. It never led to a chance, but it's a great ratio when you have a Medine or a Hogan. So it, just a really brilliant performance. And, and the one thing I loved most of all was I saw my John Fleck. Yeah, that, that, well, that, let's that talk about that. Fleck. Do you know what? I, I have a really stupid take here, and that is I was a little bit disappointed that he scored Fleck because I thought he'd been so good up to that point that I was I was coming in with my football hipster take of like, <laughs> I don't care that Medine scored two, Fleck has been the best player in this game, and then he scored, and it's like, oh, now everyone's going to think he's man of the match because he scored a deflected goal. But he was absolutely fantastic. And I know you, you put out a brilliant thread on Twitter yesterday with some uh, some video clips, which, yeah, everybody should go and look at if they've not seen it already. But, you know, the thing with Fleck is he can do everything. He can dribble, pass, shoot, tackle, cross, it's just everything. And yeah. that was what we saw in this game. It was, uh, yeah, I thought it was excellent. I thought it was good against Middlesbrough as well. But, yeah, was. this was uh, this was the sort of Fleck masterclass game, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, before before the Reading game, I put out just, just a random, just a random, you know, the odd random stat tweet about how he'd, he topped United stats for the last four games in ball recoveries mm. um, and, and basically just winning duels in the middle of the park, you know, from any player in their areas, he, he was top of the tree for doing that. So I guess my point was, I'm putting out there that Fleck was quietly coming back into form on sides of the game you might not know you see him. Yeah. You know, you might not count ball recoveries if they don't directly lead to something. That's why I put that thread out showing the amount of times he does things that didn't lead to a chance. And in reality, the all that built up to the one time he did, which was the second goal, and then his own goal as well, um, mm-hmm. you know, for the fourth. But he was brilliant. Uh, he just, I, I mean, you've said it about when he puts the arm out and starts dictating. He's literally, te- I mean, Ollie Norwood's an experienced man. He's probably the captain if someone's out. And Fleck literally tells him, if you watch him five times a game, where to pass the ball. It, yeah. It's insane how much he dictates the tempo and where we go because he's that good and he's that intelligent. I love it when he's in form. I mean, not just because he's in form, but he's good for us. I just, he's one of my favourite players to watch. Yeah, he's great. Go on, mate, sorry, go on. I was going to say, you know, the way the way he kind of takes the ball in stride and then like, you know, just, just sort of glides away from a couple of players. You know, he's not, he's not hugely strong. He's certainly not weak and he's not hugely quick. But yeah, the, the way he moves with the ball at his feet is, is just great to watch. Absolutely. You know, Duffy's the kind of player who's sort of, almost dancing around with the ball, you know, like he'll just go a few yards one way and then he'll stop and, you know, he'll come back with the defenders like completely off balance. But Fleck just seems to take it and just, yeah, just basically stride past these players. And yeah, he did that a couple of times in this game. Obviously got a goal out of it. There was a good um, a good one that ended up with uh, with another long range shot on target as well from him. So yeah, it was uh, it was great to see. And it was interesting actually because, you know, if we... Uh, these things don't always lead to, to chances or wins or goals or anything, but they're, they're good to monitor. So t- 
ball involvement, touches on the ball, just just generally passes played. How much involvement does a player have? Mm. We always talk about Oli Norwood topping them charts because that's what he does for Sheffield United. Oli Norwood, you know, he's he's generally our focal point of passing. Everything channels right. through him. Whereas in this game, you know, you look at touches. Ender Stevens tops the charts, but then it, I, I guess that was because of the role he was playing at centre half. Mm. But then we look at Duffy and Fleck are the next two on 64 touches each. That's, that's you know, it's seven more touches than Norwood of the ball. So they were mm. more heavily involved. I mean, that Duffy, that's our number 10, had the second most ball involvements. That tells you how dominant we were. Yeah. That's not, that's quite rare. And then passes completed themselves. You know, Duffy's only one behind Norwood. Fleck was only four behind Norwood. I, what I'm trying to say is, you know, the the one thing Fleck isn't always as involved as he should be. Mm. Some, if Norwood plays 50 passes per game, sometimes you see Fleck with 30. And yeah. you think to yourself, okay, Fleck plays more advanced. I can understand that. But actually, when he's more involved, he's better. And and there is an argument to suggest that Norwood's introduction may have took some time for Fleck to adjust to in terms of him producing his best. Mm. Because he's he's not going to have the ball as much. And it is going to go down, down the right-hand side a little bit more because Oli will play that side naturally. So there, you know, maybe there was a bit of a period of just mixing his game with Norwood to get that blend of perfection. And Fleck is the second half of the season player. We've kind of seen that. We did see that very much so last year, actually. Yeah, and I, I, I honestly think there's a thing now with that, whether it's a fitness thing, whether it's just he comes into his own after a run of games. Um, I, I don't know, or whether it's his involvement. You know, I can track these type of things, but in the last few games, he's been wildly back to his best. He was dominant on on Saturday, and we're now talking a key time of the season where we'll need that man. So that's good news. Yeah, spawn. Um, well, you mentioned him there, but I, I do want to give a shout out to it as well. What about Ender Stevens having, a, you know, pretty much a blinder at centre back for two consecutive games? Now, he played there a little bit at the tail end of last season, I think, and didn't go great if memory serves. But against, uh, I guess, two contrasting opposition, he's been basically flawless playing that role in these two games. Absolutely amazing. I mean, you know, I, I said, you know, perhaps Reading not the greatest of attacks, but still. Stevens, like I think he led almost every defensive stat category. So he had he had twelve ball recoveries, four more than any other player. Seven out of nine tackles, which is three more than any other player. Two interceptions was second most. Two blocks was the most. And if you look at the sort of the position that he's picking up the ball as well in these games, it was just everywhere down the sort mm-hmm. of not just down the left side, but down the centre as well. And he had that brilliant sort of. Um, I think it ended up being Hogan's chance actually, but he sort of won the ball like. Quite uh, quite close to halfway line, sort of just powered forward with it, shrugged someone off, and yeah, I think it ends up with um, with Duffy who then lays it into Hogan. And yeah, I, I mean, that again is just, you know, something that didn't happen for us last season. And, you know, I know we've been quite quite high on Ender from pretty much the third or fourth game this season, I think. You know, we saw those signs of improvement and recovery. But, I mean, I think he's, if, if Billy Sharp didn't have 22 goals already, I think Stevens is probably in the conversation for player of the year. I know... Norwood as well, but certainly the most improved player I think this season for me is just it's just gone to another level as a left wing back. And then you add in that I mean the big question marks about him last season was was defensively, wasn't it? I mean we also yeah, said yeah. we also said, Oh, you know, we wish he created more, but actually the sort of the underlying numbers, you know, the kind of expected assists and chances created were were actually very good. I think there was was it only Barry Douglas that had more or something from that position last season? Yeah, yeah. But he just, you know, for some reason, just the chances he were creating just weren't ending up in the back of the net. But there were very justifiable question marks about his defensive ability. This season, he has absolutely answered that with spades on, I think. I mean, he's he's just 
been fantastic and is such a important part of our team, both going forward and going back, I suppose. 100%. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You've summarised it beautifully. I mean, again, we we've, we created Ender Defender. You know, we created the club. So uh, all, all joking aside, we did that because we genuinely thought there was a very good player there. And he's just, you know, it just goes to show sometimes that people, football manager generation, I guess myself, yourself, we get fascinated by age sometimes and we don't realise that sometimes players mature later. Mm. And as one of those, you know, I was surprised when you reaffirmed his age to me last season on the yeah. pod. I thought he was a bit younger and, you know, we got his age and actually, you know, he's closer to the 30 mark and you're thinking, okay, so maybe he's just matured at this level at a later stage, but he is, his levels are increasing game by game. And I think it was really interesting that what you say about left centre-back. Jack O'Connell will have that role as long as he's fit and I'm okay with that because Jack's brilliant. He's an absolute beast and he's great going forwards. It does open up that if Jack's not around, does Ender do that? Because yeah. that I think defensively he was as solid as a rock. But like you said, that fir- the first goal comes from Ender receiving a ball from Fleck and driving through the middle of the park because he's left centre-back. So he's actually yeah. in like that left side and central channel and he drove through the middle and played a pass to Medine, which kind of got half dummied, half not and Duffy ran on, Freeman took it in. But that comes from Ender being in that place. And it just mm. makes you think, oh, that, that's a tactical thing. Ender is an exceptional ball player. He's very technically talented. If he can pick up the ball in areas or marks, this is a good thing. Yeah, you know, definitely. I, I mean, I, I can't get over it. You've reeled off the individual defensive stats. You combine them all together, you call it defensive duels. You know, how many times... In 50-50, second balls, that type of thing did he win. You're looking normally to be around the 50-40% mark for a good defender. That's what Egan normally hits. That's what O'Connell normally hits. 70%. Right. Rounded up, 69 point or whatever. 70% end of Stevens defensive duel win rate. Yeah. Basically, any time the ball come near him, he won it, basically. Yeah, against a, you know, a pretty speedy attack for him. I mean, that's one thing they did have yeah. is some like actual speed going forward. Didn't yeah, they else, did. I guess. But, you know, and again, that was something that he, you know, kind of got punished by last season you know players with a bit of, a bit of skill a bit of speed would you know either go past him or you know just just do him for uh trickery basically but yeah it's uh the improvement is amazing um just to finish off then uh with with reading before we move on i think probably just want to just quickly mention suspensions because obviously mm-hmm. basham basham has now served a two-game suspension and comes back Norwood is one card away from a two-game suspension. Um, but then going, uh, if you look down the list, I think there's a fair chance that we don't have anyone else suspended for the rest of the season. This is just a kind of circle back to the uh, the squad depth and the rotation kind of thing. So barring a straight red, I think Stevens is still on seven. I haven't got this updated since the last game. But yeah, Stevens was on seven, Egan was on seven, and then no one else had any more than five. Yeah, um, I like it. Yes, the next cutoff point for so basically, if you don't get to ten yellow cards by this point, then it goes up to fifteen. Uh, it's thirty-seven games. So that's four more games away. So, Should you know, there's, there's a fair chance. Yeah, you're basically looking at you need Egan and Stevens to get uh, booked in every game basically for the next five, the next four games to get a suspension. <laughs> Saying that, the next four are quite attritional games. Yeah, yeah, bit. definitely. But I mean, if you know, you just average it out over the season. You know, they've yeah, got seven seven bookings in thirty games or something like that. You know, the, the yeah. odds are it's not gonna not gonna happen. Which, yeah, I mean, you know, we're in a position where such would injury permitting, we could keep a full strength team basically right to the end of the season. Um, 
and we'll need it because there's some really tough games coming up. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, what a position to be in, mate. You know, if, if people were, you know, really down after that Villa game, which <laughs> so was I, to be fair. But you know, looking at the big picture, I wasn't overly worried. But yeah, we we continue to we just look like we're in a stronger position every single week. We just need whoever leads the plane tonight to beat him as well. Is it leads QPR. Uh, it's QPR West Brom tonight. QPR West Brom, sorry. Who do Leeds play? Are they playing tonight? No, they don't play till the weekend. Ah, right, okay. Fair enough. They play weekend and then they play Tuesday night, I think. So. Right, okay. But their, their next two fixtures are exceptionally winnable. They have Q- <laughs> Bolton and QPR, so they'll, they'll take six from that. Yeah, indeed. But yeah, what a um, what a strong position. I guess the big question is, do you rest Norwood against West Brom so available <laughs> for Wednesday? No, you don't do that. So I think it was uh, uh, oh crap. I can't remember who it was. That I saw a tweet this earlier. Actually, I should have should have made a note of it. But really good point that the, the sort of best counter argument against doing that is he's gonna get suspended anyway. He's gonna get a yellow card at some point in the next four or five games. Yeah, you can't map two games. So you can't like self impose another another one game by leaving him out of a massively important fixture on Friday. No, no, and I think. My point of view, and this is a very, very narrow mind, and I guess point of view, no, no tactical analysis here, is that the West Brom game is probably going to be more of a football match. Mm. Uh, and I understand the midfield failed us a little bit last time, and the fact that Gareth Barry got hold of the game in the second half and and took over and, and cemented their win. But it, it's yeah, going to be depressing. a yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a long time ago. It, but yeah. it's going to be a, it's predominantly going to be a footballing game. I mean, we're, we're the away side, so we could go a bit more direct with Medine, maybe a Hogan. Mm. I don't. I, I'm just saying. I'm not saying I would. I'm, we could. But you know, there's going to be a lot of ball played, uh, and in that type of game, I want Oli Norwood on the pitch. A, he's, yeah. he's one of the he's one of the top ten midfielders in the division defensively. Mm-hmm. You might not think he is, but he is. His stats say he is. He puts in more interceptions than most, more tackles than most, ball recoveries more than most. But more importantly, we're going to need the foot on the ball. Mm-hmm. Because West Brom will have periods of pressure. This is what happens in the championship when you go to a good side away from home. You have to sustain pressure and we have to we have to get better at that. That is our one thing we do have to get better at. And I want Norwood on the pitch, whereas we know what's coming after West Brom. And yeah, yeah I'd love to have Norwood in that game. I'd love to because his, his, his delivery quality, especially from set pieces or open play crosses in that right channel, could be the key if a game's quite tight, especially yeah. with Medine on the pitch or Sharp. However... Out of all games this season, that is the one game where everyone in the squad should be pumped for. That is true. After, yeah. after, after West Brom, you know, I shouldn't be needing to miss Ollie Norwood. He he has immense quality, but if Lundstrom, Coots, or even Basham go in and play in the middle, I shouldn't be questioning their performance. As in, I need Norwood against Sheffield Wednesday away. You I just made be- uh, a large portion of United's fan base shudder in fear at the idea of uh, unlucky Lundstrom playing in um, <laughs> Sheffield Derby. <laughs> I don't think. It, do you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to hypothesise, but I don't think he will. I think. I think. I quite honestly think if if Ollie gets suspended against West Brom, Ollie will play against West Brom. I, I would never second guess Wilder, but that's just my opinion. Um, why would you leave one of your best players out in a massive mm. game? And let's be fair. I don't want to be that guy. The Sheffield derby means more. We, Wednesday tried this before. Oh, it doesn't matter that much. It's only three points. It does. It matters a lot. Mm. But but in terms of this team, do they ever? Villa away three goals eight minutes do they, do they ever let that momentum come against them they don't do they so no. if, we lost, if we lost against Wednesday it would affect me <laughs> it would affect you would it affect these players I don't think it would that's just my opinion I think they go on no. into the next game and, and go again that's what they yeah. do 
I agree. It'd be lost points, and uh, I think it would probably affect the fun, uh, the fans, and maybe yeah. uh, maybe Wilder more than the actual. Players. Yeah, exactly. I, I, you know, it would. But I, I have a feeling that if Ollie gets suspended, Basham will will come into that that team in the centre of midfield. Yeah, that was my thinking as well. But uh, I mean, he played he played there in the four two, didn't he? In the four two mm-hmm. win, he, he went in there, and I think that. We've proven with either Craney or Stearman, it'd probably be Craney, but I'm saying you could go Stearman and Egan at right centre-back. We have good enough defenders to come in who can do the defensive side of the job. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, it, it, it's an attritional game. It would be no harm to have Urbash in the middle. Yeah. I'm that, I, I'm, that's just my opinion. I, I play Norwood because West Brom is massive. That is the bigger game right now because that matters for promotion. Yeah. And it's, uh, as you say, it should be a, a really good game. I mean... Um... You know, West Brom are are a very good team. They're you know fourth in the league completely on merit. Um, you know, I think most of the expected tables have them right around there as well. Uh, they have the fifth highest number of shots per game, which is uh, and the third highest in the six yard box as well, which is not far behind us. We lead the league in that one. They do allow a lot of shots as well, though. I, I did notice this. They, they they do. They're one of the worst in the league. They they allow the fifth most shots. Uh, and for contrast, we're twenty second. So, yeah, the list of most shots allowed per game it goes: Reading, Bolton, Wednesday, Rotherham, West Brom. So it's a bit of an outlier having them in there. That I mean, is said, it, what what is that? Is that just like the are they just like really open or or what? I mean, it's kind no, of weird. It's, it's quite weird actually because they're the eighth best team in the league for expected goals against. Huh. So they so are letting people shoot from long range then. Yeah, I, I, I think probably what it is is they tend to defend. If they can't win the ball, as in the the attackers and the midfielders who are a bit more dynamic, if they can't win the ball high. That defence they have is quite quite a sturdy. Think Middlesbrough. It's quite a sturdy, non-mobile defensive line. If you think of mm. Craig Dawson, Ahmed Hagazi, um, you know these are big guys and they can play football on the ball, but they're not runners. They're, they're quite sturdy. Um, I, I think perhaps they play with quite a deep low block. Maybe so. They basically, I think, they defend the, the penalty box, uh, and that forces teams to probably think about how they're shooting. I, I, I've not looked fully at that, but you know, when you look at so many shots being allowed, but so little quality of those shots, that that kind of gives that impression, really. Yeah, but, um, and of course, uh, Dwight Gale's going to be back and uh, fully <laughs> fit and rested for a nice, nice two-game break, just in time to play against us. Oh joy! Um, <laughs> so that, that, that's yeah. I mean, that's Dwight Gale who has got an expected goals of 10.5 and has scored 16, which I, I believe is... No, Timapuki. Timapuki is the biggest overshooter in the league. But yeah, Dwight Gale's the second biggest overperformer, if you will. So that is an indicator of the quality of his finishing. Um, he is... I mean, not all strikers are never one chance, one goal type. That, that just doesn't exist. But he is, a, he is as close as you can get in this league. He is exceptionally clinical. Um, his shot conversion is higher than Sharp's as well at the minute. Um, yeah. which should be an indicator considering Billy Sharp's one of the best in Europe <laughs> on his shot <laughs> conversion. So that shows you how well Dwight Gale is as well. So they're a really interesting team though because they have such quality in terms of forward players. Mm. They've, got, they've got experienced, uh, you know, you think of the Gareth Barrys and the Chris Brunts, and, uh, you know, a lot of experience, Premier League experience as well. But I don't rate them that much. Interesting. I was just about I- to ask you actually if you... If you see them as a genuine automatic promotion challenger for the rest of the way, I mean, at the start I mean, of the they, season, absolutely. But, they yeah, are. Well, give me a thing. Well, they are. They have to be because if they win tonight, they're, they're there. Mm-hmm. So, points wise, they have to be. 
this is just me watching them. I think that out of all the teams at the top, they are the team that have the least defined style and tactical identity and the team that will, could drop points most, hmm. if that makes sense. Um, you know, in terms of could they get the odd, odd scrappy draw? Could a team go and get a scrappy draw? I, I think they are the team that could happen to most. This is going to come back and shoot me, isn't it? Always does whenever <laughs> you, you make a make a guess. Never, ne- anyone out there, never put assumptions out there because people always bite you for this. But I, I don't know what it is. I just don't... I, you know, everyone knows what our style is. Whether you can stop it or not is another thing. We've added to it and, and we can vary it, but we know what we're going to do. You, Norwich are the best ball-playing team in the league by a mile. Mm. They are incredible playing between the lines and they will pass through you at will and they've got pace. Leeds is just all about intensity. They just run the legs off you. They press the legs off you and they can play as well, you know, when you think of Pablo Hernandez. But generally, they're just a, a very intense, aggressive team and not many people can deal with that that pace of play. Mm. If I said to you, West Brom, what, what, would, what style are you coming at me with? What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to... Particularly now, uh, Barnes has gone back to uh, Leicester. Because previous to that, I was just thinking this sort of almost like a, an attacking three, and they'll just try and get at you down the sides, and you know just hit you on the break, you know, get it forward quickly, that kind of thing. But yeah, I haven't seen enough of them recently to uh, to to know otherwise, I guess. But yeah, I know they struggled against Forest. Obviously, needed that um, well a last minute penalty. Let's just leave it at that to uh, to get a point <laughs> out of that one. And yeah, Forest themselves not exactly the most impressive team in the league. But yeah, go on. What's what's your what's the take? I, I, I genuinely I don't know I, I don't know what they are anymore as you say uh, I mean I did a scouting report on West Brom when we played them early in the season I, I pointed out that the, the big thing you have to watch for is the left hand side Kieran Gibbs Harvey Barnes at the time that was the big thing and then Gibbs went on and scored the goal so that was just awful um, but you know he, it's clear that Kieran Gibbs is he's probably a Premier League player I, I think that's yeah. fair exceptionally fast athletic great on the ball whips in a good cross got a good shot we've got to be careful of that they're going to push us back we don't. We mean to ensure the space isn't left. I would really love George Baldock to be fit for this game. Um, yeah, there's that's... no real word on that yet, is there? I, I don't think no. there's anything too serious, though. Is it? Otherwise, we'd have heard about it. You would think so, wouldn't you? And I think we're we're getting to that stage of the season where you've got to play things close to the chest and not give stuff away. Um, I, I I would be concerned. They bought Jacob Murphy in, I think, from Newcastle on loan mm-hmm. um, to to replace Barnes. He's nowhere near as good as Ashley Barnes, but he he is good at this level. He's fast. I would be very concerned if we had. If Freeman was fit and it was Freeman, I, I would be concerned mm. about a pace issue there defensively. But they generally just seem to get the ball in to the box. Mm. They, they, you know, there's, there's no discernible style there. They've just got some exceptional quality in forward areas that do stuff. That's, you know, uh, And I think we can go there in a confident mode that if we play our way, I honestly think if we go there mm. and play our best, we will win that game. Yeah, I, I I honestly think we will. I, I'm happy to make that. That's how much confidence I have in United at the minute. I think that we have a lot of different weapons, and West Brom do too. But I think that we have the better midfield. I think we have the the better forward players in form at the minute, and I think that we've shown defensively, apart from that collapse at Villa, we can be great defensively. They'll need to be great, but if we are, I think we win that game. Hopefully, it's going to be an interesting weekend actually, because um, you know, obviously, second place, fourth, but could be second place. Uh third by kickoff if West Brom do indeed win tonight. Bristol City go to Norwich, I believe. Is that the right way around? They, yep. They so, do, yes. You know, yep. Somebody's going to drop points there. Leeds' Kimo Roof is out for an unspecified period of time. Could be interesting to see 
if that's uh, if that's a blow at all or if it doesn't actually halt their momentum any more than they are currently kind of I mean they're not stuttering leads although they're just not in amazing form I don't think nah it's just it's just the championship everyone yeah. has these run and, and we will probably have a run with harder games coming up where you don't win every week yeah that is you know and I think we I'm not saying we have to accept this because this is the championship and results just are crazy and teams at the bottom it's been statistically proven get more points from this point onwards than teams in the middle of the table. So that whole thing about being on a beach is right in the championship. It, it does happen like that. Mm. So these games against teams at the bottom become not as easy. Yeah. So you know, it's quite hard. I, I try to do the running of hard, middle, kind of easy fixtures. It, it, it's really, there's no easy way to do it. But with Norwich as running, I would, accept, I would expect them to get promoted. Yeah. I would. Just the position uh-huh. they're in. Points in the bank and yeah, they're running. I think they're running look the easiest out of, uh, out of the does. three of us. Yeah, they they have they have Borough and Bristol City to play out the t- current top six, and they're done. They're they're, they're done. They've yeah. got a couple of tough away games because there is standard away games in this league that isn't easy. But other than that, th- I would expect them to get promoted with the way they're playing. I'm not saying that we're fighting for second place. We're not yet. It's all open, and we you know we might end up just making the playoffs. Just but uh, I imagine that there's going to be three or four teams looking at that second spot over the next few weeks. It's going to be chopping and changing left, right, and centre. So. Mm. It's going to be everyone's going to be looking at each other's results because I don't think everyone's going to win every week, you know. So one yeah. week you might you might lose to West Brom, you might win win away at Wednesday or win at home to Brentford, and and your first thing you're doing is you're looking at the other results because <laughs> you know you could probably fluctuate from anywhere from second to fifth quite quickly. Yeah, definitely. But it's 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 interesting. I mean, just to like summarise that. I, I, we listen to not the top twenty pod quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone doesn't recommend you go and do it, and and George Ellick on there, they watch a lot of EFL football. They've watched a lot over the years and he's quite stout in his opinion that the three at the top currently are the three that deserve to go up. Mm. He, he's he's unrepentant in that, that in his opinion, as good as West Brom can be, us three are the class teams in the league. We are teams that would all do well in Premier League and he wants us all to go up. And I think that does say a lot because I think a lot of teams, when you look at the Twitter kind of conversations, say we are the three best teams in the league. Yeah, it seems I've, to be I've, a common never... thread, but even among like... Um you know, opposition fans' views that Roy puts together. And I think it was Steve Morrison was on the radio, the uh, the Millwall player on the radio this morning saying, you know, United are by far the best team that that they've played this season. And, you know, they weren't able to get near us and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it does, uh, it does feel like we've had quite a love in this season, a lot of respect, which is, which is very much deserved. A hundred percent, especially when you see the financial results that got released. Um, that, that Kieran Maguire did a brilliant breakdown on on, on Twitter, mm. which I'm sure everyone's read because we've, we've both shared it, and you know it's out there on, on Twitter Blades hashtag. But when you look at the money that we're spending, I mean, to be fair to Leeds, they're not spending a lot either. But just look at some of the sums of money that teams in the top six or or top eight are spending, yeah. especially just on wages alone, and it is absolutely incredible how we are where we are, isn't it? It, um... it, it just is. I mean, I was looking. I think he I mean, was uh, he was tweeting out the Middlesbrough ones today, and uh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, wow, <laughs> the amount that they're no. spending. Uh, I think they, I think I'm just trying to bring this up now, but I believe they are losing 400 grand a week, something like that. Yeah, which is I mean, ridiculous. Obviously, the, these are last weeks, last weeks, last, last years, years technically yeah. accounts because every, every, everything accounts works a year behind, but. 
just take Derby County. So I know Derby County got rid of Idra, but they did bring in some quite high wage earners as well. Mm. Um, Derby County is spending 39.8 million a year on wages. The Blades are spending 19. Brief. 20 million less than Derby. Yeah. No, it's mad. And I mean, our, our income is sort of significantly lower than some of these other teams as well, particularly from a, like a commercial venture, which is a direct result of uh, boardroom inactivity, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the plus side, plenty of scope to expand that in the future. Exactly. Which I think well, he did know, actually, Kieran did. No, he did say that. I mean, six years in League One doesn't help because you're no. not the most marketable team for sponsors. Whereas now we are, which is why we're on Sky every other day. Yes. Because <laughs> they, they they want one of the best, most exciting teams in the league on Sky. And we are that. Um you know, I mean, I mean, I love, I, I love the financial stuff because not only does it show how well Wilder and the team and the management staff are doing, it, it puts into perspective about the growth potential as well. If we sort out the top level ownership battle, yeah, I'm not saying I want us to spend 30 million a year on wages, but it does show that. It, well, one thing he does say in there is we're one of the best clubs at getting income from supporters. Yeah, which I I think is is a positive for Sheffield United and is a positive for this board because I think our pricing is bang on. It could be lower. You know, all pricing could be lower. It could be 20 quid a ticket, and that would be great if we all went like the Bundesliga. But actually, when you compare us to Leeds, Norwich, Wednesday, our pricing is spot on. Yeah. Uh, and that's why we're able to pack out, as well as being good at the minute, and every, people wanting to come and watch this football, they go hand in hand, don't they? Uh, you know, and I, I think, in essence, what I'm trying to summarise is I actually think, apart from the top of the battle, this is a pretty well-run bloody club at the minute. Oh, yeah, yeah. With I mean, very much so. We, you know, we, we had to cut our cloth accordingly, but, you know... We've made the absolute maximum out of our resources. I mean, I think that's probably what Wilder was kind of alluding to after that. I think it was in that whole interview last when we lost them last year, wasn't it? You know, yeah. Uh, and maybe this is I've taken getting the absolute maximum out of these players, and you know, maybe their level of ability isn't where I I want it to be, and where I want to take this club, etc. But yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I, I read I read all these figures. It, it was all very interesting, but it wasn't worrying to me. I guess it was slightly frustrating in some respects that. You know, some of our income is less than it, it could be, I guess, particularly the commercial oh. one. But but yeah, overall, it, it shows a... <laughs> I won't say a well-run club, because I'm not sure there is such a thing in the championship. When even oh, even a well-run club in United are losing 200 grand a week, I think it is. But I, I think, I th- but that's just the nature of the championship. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, for sure. Uh, and it's it's it, a slightly it, broken division, isn't it? It's that, That's been forced it, by this parachute if payment. If you care which about Premier- making money, then it's a slightly broken yeah. division. You're not, you're not going to make money and be competitive in this league. You're not. Because the, prim, the, the Premier League teams come down with parachute payments and big wages, which means they pay other championship players big wages to get them into their club. Yep. Which means that the tariffs, you know, it's like the job market out there then changes. everything. The parity of salary becomes... Martin Waggon, great example in the summer, mm-hmm. had the chance to come to us to be our number one striker because he would have been at that time. Definitely. Without a shadow of a doubt, he would have, him, you know, he would have been our number one striker at front with Sharp. It, and I've got no doubt Wilder would have got 20 a season out of him as well. I don't look at Waggon and think we missed out. I think uh, missed out or that, you know, he's he's a poor player. I think that he, he went to the wrong club. Mm. Um, you know, uh, but he wouldn't accept our wage because Derby can blow us out of the water. Yeah. Well, Derby do that because they're, they're playing parity with the rest of the league, whereas we're not. Now, I'm not... How sustainable that is for years to come? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you look at... There's only four or five teams that have got less wage control than our last accounts, and I imagine ours have gone up quite a bit this year. Yeah. Um, but 
the only four teams that got less Ipswich Town well they're going to get relegated mm. um, I, I think uh, Brentford were in there as well which makes a lot of sense because Brentford we all know about their analytics models and, yeah, and the way they recruit so and, high, yeah. they, and they sign players from obscure leagues where the championship wages will be just 10 times more than the French Division 2 yeah. Even even the championship, you know, you're talking players on hundreds hundreds of pounds a week to a thousand pound a week max, and they can offer four or five grand a week. So, it, you know, it's a life lifestyle. And Preston North End as well. Mm. Um, who who are these? Are the clubs that I think are doing well. So Preston are just an astonishing club. They 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 only spend thirty and a half million quid a year on wages. Yet they've got players that are quite easily valued up to ten to fifteen million quid. If you think of Callum Robinson, and, yeah, and players like Alan Brown and that. So there's a couple of clubs that are doing it and doing well, but none of them are doing what we're doing. No, I know yeah, it's amazing, it, isn't it? it I, I didn't look at this in a bad way. There, there is bad signs to it because if the stuff at the top doesn't get sorted, I think it's a fascinating topic. That's why I've, I'm talking about it on the pod. But mm. if nothing else, it's just a massive high five to Wilder and Nil and Paul Mitchell and yeah, just and in every case you didn't realise how good a job <laughs> everyone was doing. Yeah. It is, it's, but sometimes you, you know, away from points and XG, you just need a reference point. How good are we actually compared to the rest of the league? Like, and he's doing a job that's unbelievable on paper. Mm. It just is. Um, uh, and, you know, you, you can't comprehend how good it is. Uh, and I like discussing this because we're at a stage of the season where if you listen to football heaven, people have got us promoted already. Mm. Um, and I hate that because that is A, to its our detriment to get over egg on ourselves as fans and to bring pressure like that on ourselves and B, there's no runaway team in this league. We're very good. We're one of the best, clearly, because we are where we are. But there's no runaway team. Yeah. And it's going to to and fro from now until the end of the season. So, if anything, temper your expectations and just back what is, at the minute, a miraculous job. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully we'll continue with a uh, another satisfying, enjoyable win on Friday against West Bromwich Albion. Um, <laughs> all right, mate. Any, any final thoughts? Just... Uh, uh, I am doing. I'm not a footballer, so we don't have to do the next game. Is the only game that matters. I'm getting nervous about Wednesday already. <laughs> I am. I'm kind I of looking forward is. to it, actually. It it's good me? nerves. You no, know, it's good nerves. It's good nerves. It's like excited, nervous type thing. Yeah. You know, because that's I'm, everything. That that's that's not only it's Wednesday. It's a momentum builder again, isn't it? But, I guess so. I, I'm. I think I said this last time we talked about the derby. But if we were at home, I'd be nervous. But. I always feel with the derby, the pressure's on the home team. It's 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 embarrassing if you lose at home to your local <laughs> rival. I mean, I genuinely feel that. I was, you know, worried going into that Wednesday game at home that we would like, you know, just lose to a Adam Reach twenty-five yarder after dominating the game, um, which is what almost happened the previous time. But away, you know, I think uh, I think we'll be all right. It's more just the fact that I mean, we'll, I can, we'll do it after this game, I guess, in the build next week. But it's more just the fact that they're. Uh, where we are in the leagues, the fact they are, this is their season, yeah, because they they ain't got they ain't got nothing else. This is their season, and they'll see. Even if they don't, as we've already said, I think if we lost that game, we'll still go on to have a great season and maybe even go up still. Because I think this squad are, are mentally tough, mm. but they'll see it as they bust the season, won't they? That it's their chance to bust United for the season. That that's what it'll be. So yeah. I think that's where my nerves, nerves are coming from. But we shouldn't look past West Brom. But uh, you can't help but get excited. Can you? The, this next four or five games are absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm not nervous though about them as such, like in a, in a negative way. I think that this is a great thing. We're only nervous because of what's at stake, which is 
based on where we are. This is brilliant that we're in a game to fight for the for the title with West Brom or the derbies that matter. Or we go to. I mean, that game against Leeds is going to be a brilliant game. Yeah, I know. You know, we could go. We we could go there and, and maybe go top of the league at the time, or they could go. You know, it's just. I can't wait. It's going to be a great end to the season. I've got full faith in this side. I've got full faith. There he is. Yeah, can't can't wait for uh, Friday and uh, every every coming home game as well. Because uh, yeah, atmosphere has picked up a fair bit in the uh, last couple of ones, I think. And yeah, I, I mean, you just get the sense that um, you know, I think more and more people are starting to believe that uh, yeah, it's the prize is there for us this season if we can uh, you know just stay consistent, take care of business, and uh, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully finishing the top two. I would be... Do, do, go on, sorry. Go, go, I was going to say, go on then. You, you know, there's enough games to go now to make a make a steady prediction. Are we doing it or are we not? I, I think we'll make the playoffs. But I think we'll finish... Play, you're, going, you're going for playoffs? Yeah. What I was just about to say was I will be... I can't deny that I will be a little bit disappointed if we finish third and we're playing somebody like bloody Middlesbrough again. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to play Middlesbrough again. They're, they're rubbish. I don't. I mean, they were back to Middlesbroughing their way to a 1-0 win at the weekend, I think, weren't they? Uh, midweek, yeah. rather. Or maybe it was the weekend, yeah. And it's like, oh, I don't want to play them again. I just, you know, I, I think uh, I'd be disappointed because I think we're better than all those teams. You know, if we end up playing Bristol City or Derby or, you know, even go below that, Forest or Birmingham, I mean, come on. Surely we'd beat them, but you know it'd just be extra disappointing if that's how the season finished. You get knocked out by bloody Forest or someone like that. <laughs> We've had to turn to Martin O'Neill down the last few months of the season to try and get back oh, into it. God, you just wrote our history right there. You just wrote our future. Right? I can uh, just to be see fair, we normally we normally quite good in playoff semi-finals. I think, aren't we? We are. Yeah, we just do nothing when we get to Wembley. Yeah, this time for what it's for, for what it's worth, I think we finish second. It would be. I, I, Probably the greatest thing uh, in my United watching lifetime, I think. Oh, a far, uh, I, far more satisfying promotion than 2006-7. Uh, 5-6, uh, sorry. I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I would agree with that because of, of who it is and the way we play. But I, I think we're better than Leeds. And I know that doesn't matter because it's who you're playing. Mm. But I think we're better and more equipped for this now than Leeds are. Um, I, I actually think the wheels might go there a little bit. I'm doing a little down to the They'll finish third. They'll finish third, in my opinion. But I think the uh, the wheels might go there. I think the legs might come off them. I'm looking forward to that happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, let's let's take care of our own business as well and see what happens. I suppose. But yeah, that's that's my prediction. All right, mate. Let's uh, let's leave it there then. Thanks thanks very much for giving up your time as always. And yeah, let's uh, let's catch up next week and talk Steel City Derby and a little bit about uh, West Brom as well. Sound good? All good. Come on, you red and white wizards. Nice one, mate. Talk to you later. Yeah, mate. Cheers. Bye-bye.